0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for
1: more great podcasts.
0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 65th-ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. (laughs) How are you doing today, Kyle? Kyle, if you say you're doing great, unless it's about food, we all know you're lying.
1: Well, Cameron, I wasn't going to say I'm great, uh, but... I'm doing better today than I am than I was doing yesterday. How's that for an answer? Today's Wednesday. Correct. Thanksgiving Eve. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's no sporting event today. There's no NCAA decision coming today. Uh, that all happened yesterday and Monday. So today I'm good. I'm great.
0: I still don't believe you. But <laughs> we'll have to talk about that in a second because... Support for this podcast, the Missouri Sports Podcast, comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels.
1: Guys, it is time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. That's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary, advanced, skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It is literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there, Cameron.
0: It's a very good holiday uh, gift option, I would agree. Yeah. Um, that Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver. An anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put uh, deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? That's the real question. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped Boxer Briefs that will keep you feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade over those used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing Boxer Briefs.
1: Get 20% off and a free shipping with the code Bigheads at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code Bigheads. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. You're gonna make you're gonna make Santa proud this year, Cameron. What about you, producer Cameron? Oh yeah. You guys on the na- <laughs> You guys on the naughty list this year?
0: Definitely not. Good. No. That's good to hear. Because no. I used code Bigheads. Good. Well, Kyle, I wanted to get together to give the people something to listen to when they're driving to their in-laws house or wherever tomorrow or Friday or over the weekend, or maybe they're flying cross country to have some Turkey with family that they really enjoy spending time with. Luckily, I'm not doing that. Just going down the road, but there was a lot happening over the past week in the Mizzou world. And it's all negative negative? 100 percent of it yeah pretty much did a single positive thing happen
1: Mm-mm, no i don't think so um it's been it's been a week it's been an interesting week uh sometimes these weeks happen seems like uh for mizzou fans more often than not um but we have to we have to face these facts we got to talk about it also one thing before we talk about it is turkey overrated
0: turkey is overrated
1: producer cameron agree okay give me it's, the
0: dark meat because the white meat is usually dry and i'm just gonna be chewing on it yeah. till the sun goes down
1: you kind of have to combine it with yes some other things on your plate make Maybe a little get make a little, a little thanksgiving slop yeah
0: shovel that in
1: doesn't look great but it tastes great yes okay favorite side from both of you thanks appetizer count uh whatever sure. anything except a- turkey my mom makes a pretty bomb chicken cheese dip. Ooh. Cheese
0: dip. That yeah. sounds like cheating, but I accept because that sounds delicious. I'd still it's eat it. excellent. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, g- give me all the sides. All the sides. Yeah. I'll just fill up a plate of sides, mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. stuffing, dressing, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, my wife makes uh, corn casserole. That's delish. Mm. Just all the sides. Give me them all. Pour gravy on all of it go to town
1: are you guys pumpkin pie guys no no no. okay apple pie no no okay what do you (laughs) eat for dessert Uh, hopefully there's something chocolate okay whatever's not those
0: (laughs) i just hope there's something chocolate or else i'll just maybe bring a candy bar you're gonna be
1: that complainy guy no i don't complain (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding usually i'm too full I have to wait a little while Oh before. okay I don't want to hear from just you give guys. me some
0: cookies Or something like that I'm fine Something I can just like No pies
1: Yeah Yeah. Okay Turkey versus the spread You take a nap take after it you eat the spread. Take, spread. <laughs> take the spread Take <laughs> the spread Take the spread You take a nap Turkey
0: or the field <laughs> Take the field
1: No the, Yeah okay
0: <laughs> Take a nap Yeah <laughs> On Thanksgiving Is that is
1: that like a Some people I just feel like I'm too
0: busy most of the time Really I gotta Not on purpose I got another place to be typically Okay Yeah
1: Good to know. Okay. <laughs> cool. I had to ask you those questions. You know, it's Thanksgiving.
0: Yes, you have to be seasonal.
1: Those are very important questions that need to be answered. Yes. And it gives us something else to talk about besides the horrible things going on in Mizzou universe.
0: Well, we're going to talk about one right now, and that is the only news that I have down for us to address, and that's the fact that the NCAA upheld all sanctions that were levied against the University of Missouri Athletics. Um. I'm not going to recap all the sanctions, but the pertinent ones right now are postseason bans for football, baseball, and softball, and recruiting reductions, scholarship reductions, recruiting time limits, as well as like 1% of the athletic budget just being taken from them or something like that.
1: Yeah, for have heard non-recruiting violations. Yeah. We got recruiting sanctions, so... Yeah um yeah i am not gonna i'm not gonna rant i think at this point you have probably been well aware of all the all the repercussions all of all the arguments you've seen it all at this point don't need to really recap that i I don't need to get angry all over again um we're past anger we're we're past anger we're just at disbelief (laughs) at this point um I do have to say that it would probably be even more disappointing. Like I'd be even more crestfallen if Missouri had had the football season that we thought they could have. Um, but I, there's really no positive way to spend this. But I did want to ask you, I, well, I guess to piggyback on what we talked about last week with the NCAA taking so long to make their decision, do you think it had something to do with them watching Missouri season. And I feel like it had to have. And if, if Missouri had a great season, would they have changed their decision?
0: I can't imagine. So just because of the, uh, there was other sports involved, like they weren't going to just, they weren't going to just let Missouri football have a postseason and not baseball or softball. And I don't think, that they would, I don't know. I, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that it, in all of these things, it's the primary motivating factor is money, mm-hmm. and the money that we're talking about in this situation was pretty much all coming from uh, an uh, a bowl appearance. Mm-hmm. So,
1: it's certainly the most important piece. I think, at least for revenue, it was the football side of it. Obviously, the other side baseball softball it's it's still horrible as well but um, yeah
0: it's that's still terrible for the athletes but from a
1: from a decision standpoint
0: yeah and from a financial standpoint those postseasons are not going to factor in yeah to anything like football would
1: yeah so on my list of things I wish I knew the answer to that might be number one is just why it took so long just to tell us what you already knew what you already thought in like July so my other thing is I want to ask you, and I think that Jim Sterk has already turned this down. Um, but I want to ask you what you thought. Does this decision impact Barry Odom's employment?
0: I don't think so. Um, I think, I think if it's all, I wish we could get inside Jim Sterk's head because it's all his opinion. I think. And sort of what he's seeing from the inside that's gonna make the difference on Barry Odom's future. And if Stirk likes what he's seeing in the processes and, you know, when he has meetings with the coaching staff, if he likes what he's seeing there, then bull ban or not, he's gonna move forward with Odom. If he's already been thinking about making a change, then uh, same thing. I don't I don't think I don't see really why that would weigh much on his decision.
1: I think you could be right. I also think that it makes this job potentially less attractive to other applicants in the future if they decide to make a change this year and they're thinking about what are we going to, how are we going to pitch this job to somebody that's coming in and they're already aware of recruiting, you know, time and reductions in hours they get to spend with people and um, scholarship reductions I think that it'll be four or five less scholarships on the football team I think it's one per team on softball and baseball um, I think that has to be something that's considered at least yeah a little that's bit a great by, point by stir yeah is, that's a great point it's going to be less attractive to pitch to uh, the replacement I know that Cirque downplayed it but I really think that it's something that they will consider I don't think it just automatically buys Barry Odom another year but I certainly think it helps his case
0: yeah yeah that makes perfect sense
1: it's gonna be a really interesting. It's gonna be a really interesting week um, because if obviously if Barry Odom is not the coach at Missouri next season, then we're gonna know it by next week most likely. Whenever we're are doing our next podcast episode, we will probably know whether or not Barry Odom is staying.
0: Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about the Arkansas game coming up uh, towards the end of this show. Um, there's a lot on the line, I think, for that game. It seems crazy to think about that, you know, a few months ago, we would have been talking about what's at stake in the Arkansas game. Well, there's probably not much at stake unless Missouri is like right in the hunt for the SEC East. Yeah, pretty much only unless
1: their season was really good or really bad. Yeah.
0: If they just need to knock off Arkansas, but you, we would have never come to the conclusion that it could ever be bad enough to where we're talking about the bad scenario. Of why the Arkansas game is important yeah if they're if they're if they already have seven wins this Arkansas game isn't important because this season's already disappointing
1: you know yeah the season's just kind of whatever and Barry Odom yeah. is certainly coming back next year
0: if they have nine or ten wins then it's really important because they're probably in the SEC East race
1: mm-hmm. and now they have five wins and we don't know if Barry Odom's going to be the coach here next year
0: right And that's why this game is important, which is crazy to talk about. We'll talk more about that specifically later. I don't have much more to add about the NCAA sanctions. I mean, as Mizzou fans, we've been stewing on this. I mean, the whole fan base has just been talking about it, analyzing it for months now. So I don't think we have anything earth shattering to bring to that discussion at this point. No, there's been so many articles. I mean, right after the news broke, I think. 10 15 different publications had their articles ready to go mm-hmm. and published them
1: yep i i agree there's not really not, not much to add at this point uh i just want to i guess commend the mizzou twitter community really came together and i everybody just fully like understands what this means for the university not just the bull ban but all the all the things that go into it all the, the financial restrictions and. Um, I don't know. It, it's cool that, and such a horrible, horrible thing that it's still cool to see the, the, just the fan base come together. It's kind of like a, a funeral that it's <laughs> like the funerals are awful because you're probably you know, knew somebody that died, but at least it brings your whole family together that you don't get to see very often. Right. It's almost like that where this has been horrible, but I think it will unite the fan base and hopefully unite the teams affected by it.
0: It unites more than that. It unites... People across the political spectrum, it unites—believe it or not—Kansas fans and Mizzou fans I in their hatred of, of the NCAA. Yeah. So, credit to the NCAA for bringing people together. You ready to talk about basketball, Kyle?
1: oh uh, yeah.
0: That was not convincing, but we'll move ahead anyway. I don't have a choice. Basketball lost two games this past week. I don't know if you're aware of that. They lost sixty-three to fifty-two to Butler, and. Six. What's I have the, the score printed wrong here? I have it as a sixty-six all tie to Oklahoma, which is not what happened. <laughs> Was it? Uh, <laughs> no. That seventy-seven sixty-six. Yes. To Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, both of those games started with Missouri falling into a fifteen-to-three hole that they had to try to dig themselves out of the rest of the game. So they did not have a good time in Kansas City. Um, do you want to give your, let's, let's just talk about each game and then we'll give our big picture, uh, thoughts about the the situation that we have now. So against Butler, um, nothing went well at all on offense and the first 10 minutes were brutal on defense as well. And that copies over to the Oklahoma game, but Butler did whatever they want, whatever they wanted inside shot 62% from two they cooled off from distance eventually. And but at that point you know Missouri's offense just lacks the firepower to get them back into a game like that. And Jeremiah Tillman had maybe one of his worst performances as a Missouri Tiger. So there was just a combination of things that was just ended up being insurmountable for Missouri. And they Butler, didn't really mess around. They just said, okay, if you're going to play terrible, we'll just go ahead and win this game.
1: I honestly can't even believe that Tillman played 17 minutes, to be completely honest, because I felt like he was just on the bench the whole game. Yeah, he was invisible when he was out there. Yeah, yeah, this this game, I think, and obviously it's a small sample size this week, this past couple of games, a small sample size, but I think that it may have confirmed my fear from the Xavier game that Missouri's defense looked elite because Xavier's offense isn't that great, and obviously – that's that's another game that's that's different from this, but I mean Missouri's defense did not look good really in, in either game, especially the Butler game. And I, I know Butler is a really good team. And did they did do you know if they beat Stanford last night? They did. They did. Okay. Butler is clearly a much better team than Missouri. Yeah, they're twentieth in Kenpom now, seven and zero. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know really what happened in the coming out the gates of that game i don't know if mizzou is just not ready for how good butler is how fundamentally sound they are how well coached they are but and they just butler came out hitting everything sometimes you just play above your ability sometimes and i don't know if that's what happened in this game but because they cooled off as the game went on same as oklahoma but both games just the other team just came out shooting lights out
0: so i agree with you that Missouri's defense. I, I don't know though that if if I agree with you completely that the that they aren't as good. They're definitely not as good as we thought they were when they were. That, we knew that they weren't the sixth best defense in the country. However, it's interesting to note that if you take away that fifteen to three run that Butler started the game on, Missouri outscores them the rest of the way, forty nine to forty eight. So. If they just if Missouri's able to play that same defense that they played the rest of the game in those first five minutes where they gave up 15 points, it's a completely different game, and it's exactly what we were predicting—a high 50s, um, you know, mid to high 50s finish and mm-hmm. like a one or two point game.
1: Yeah, I think so, some of that is probably game script. Butler probably sure slowed down a little bit, but yeah. I, I uh, point well taken though
0: but it it doesn't matter i mean you we talked about when they were holding teams to really low point totals and giving them fits with these scoring droughts and then missouri wasn't able to capitalize on them by scoring points of their own we saw that in games against completely overmatched opponents and we kind of thought this could be a sign of things to come if missouri is not able to figure things out and they have not figured it out as far as jump shooting goes um mark smith and finally torrence watson a little bit in the oklahoma game they seem like the only guys who are capable of hitting a three-pointer i mean when they when mark smith shoots i'm still confident that he can make shots torrence watson showed a little bit of that in the uh, oklahoma game but everybody else even drew smith i uh, just no confidence
1: when they shoot yeah i kind of thought that um the past couple of nights watching them, you know they were making good passes around the perimeter, and then I just realized every player catching the ball in the perimeter doesn't want to shoot. Right. It's like Xavier Pinson, Drew Smith, Javon Pickett—they were just throwing it around the perimeter. And nobody wants to take a shot because yeah. nobody can make a shot.
0: Right. Yeah, they don't have that confidence. And I saw a similar thing when um, when Kobe Brown was trying to feed Jeremiah Tillman. Kobe's defender would just help off of him, leaving him wide open at the three-point line. So Tillman would kick it back out to him and then he wouldn't pull the trigger or he would shoot a three and miss. And it was just, I just started to question like, why are we having Mark Smith or Torrance Watson need to be the guy that's initiating that action so that it went, so that their guy can't double off of them towards Tillman. Or if they do, then you've got your best shooter sitting there ready to pull the trigger. It was the little things like that, that I like you're saying, I just started noticing that who, who on this team is going to step up and start making shots. And I think Drew Smith made a good effort. Um, in the Butler game, he had 19 points and he just started trying to get to the rim and kind of making those little pump fake moves that we saw Jordan Geist make for a couple of years. So that was a step in the right direction. I mean, he understood that the shots weren't falling. So we had to kind of manufacture some offense but
1: yeah he it's good it's good that we have that kind of backup option i guess you want to call it that where drew smith just takes over the game and i mean he's just like surgical like in the lane yeah. we're just picking a spot so well down there but i mean it's just not complicated we're gonna have to have guys hit shots like when when missouri's offense is not making threes it's so inefficient and guys don't know what to do and you can just physically see them lose confidence and um and a lot of times it you know all the everything falls on Tillman to carry the team and that just hasn't been happening lately if he's you know playing against better defenders down low and
0: that's used as a reason why the offense stumbles when when he's out of the game or whatever if he's not having a good night then that's like using an excuse why Missouri can't score any points they should be able to do something on offense without Tillman without every possession having to go through him in the post Mm -hmm. because that's just not realistic. You can't design an offense like that because it'd be one thing if he was playing, you know, 90% of available minutes, but he fouls too much and is too inconsistent. So you gotta, gotta come up with some other action to get the ball in the basket. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up was we did see the Smith trifecta in the Butler game drew smith mark smith and mitchell smith were all on the floor at the same time and that just kind of brings to light the struggle that the coaching staff is having right now to find a backup at the five spot they've tried mitchell smith they've tried parker brown they've tried reed nico and they're just not cutting it i mean you can't run the offense through them they're getting out rebounded when tillman's not on the floor even when he is on the floor sometimes but nico and all three of those guys are gonna give up rebounds give up offensive rebounds not play solid defense and it just brings the entire progress for Missouri to a screeching halt
1: yeah I I think what may have been even more frustrating for me to watch than just the offense being inept was the lack of rebounding in both games I mean we'd finally get a stop on defense and you know play really good defense for the whole possession and they put up a shot and miss and then they would just get another chance and it felt like we they were, uh, like especially in the Oklahoma game. I guess I'm kind of lumping these games together, but um, it, it felt like Oklahoma had 50 percent more chances than we did in the game because they had so many offensive rebounds and uh, so many more attempts and and tries at, at possessions and at shots. And man, it's just making me crazy when when you have a good defensive possession and you just have to start all over whenever you don't get the rebound.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and part of it is positioning and. Even sometimes they will force a bad shot, but then there's a long rebound and it's anybody's ball and that's just that's just something that comes sometimes with forcing teams into long contested threes as you get weird rebounding situations. but that evens itself out and we're not seeing that. We're seeing Missouri frankly be dominated on the glass two games in a row. Was the Butler game was that the that was the Bryce drew. And his father, family reunion game, yes. right? Yeah. I wanted to mention that obviously people probably saw, obviously saw that happen or saw it on Twitter, but mm-hmm. that was so bizarre to me because it looked like a little, it looked like it was going to be kind of like out of a timeout. They were going to mention this thing and then go back to the game. And then it just kept going and kept going. And they kept the video up on half the screen the entire time. And then, I don't know. it was like, I'm trying to watch Missouri, and I'm actually. It was kind of an interesting story that they yeah. were telling, and it was. They were they were friendly and uh, nice to listen to, but I was just like, "What?" Well, I feel like I'm watching an interview show. Yeah. And the Mizzou game in picture in picture.
1: I agree. Yeah. I. I mean, I. Like you said, it, it's a it's a cool story. I mean, it's it's mildly interesting and uh, good for Homer. I mean, he's getting you know inducted. Whatever. Whatever. I don't even know, but he gets some. He was inducted yeah, into something. Inducted into the Hall of Fame, whatever it is. Uh but and you know and, and it's cool with the the father son thing and making the with Bryce making the big shot in the NCAA tournament. Sure, that's cool. And he but coached in the SEC, so he, Yeah. And I I actually think he kind of got a raw deal, honestly. I think he got fired a little too quickly at Vanderbilt, but anyways, all that to say, yeah, it's like it just went on a little too long and they just ignored the game a little too long. So
0: Yeah, last complaint about the uh, announcing. Let's hear it. Bryce Drew, my guy, come on. He implies familiarity with Missouri's head coach by calling him Zoe. Oh, yes, I know. And then he drops Kwanzo about 15 times. Yes, I was like, how can you... Even then into the Oklahoma game. Yeah. Like, how is a producer not saying, dude, you got to fix this? I
1: don't know, but I literally like said out loud to my wife, like, how is he he's played against konzo like multiple times they've they've coached against each other for like two or three years now like how do you not know his name i know
0: that's actually hilarious because i was pointing out the same thing to my wife i was like oh he's he thinks he's all buddies with him so he calls him zo and then he turns around and drops a kwanzo and then (laughs) she's like walking through the room later and he does again and she's like did he just say it again i'm like yep he did
1: he he did bring some interesting tidbits of information with you know he's fresh off being a, a coach yeah a, and a, a team that played against missouri teams that or a team that recruited against missouri so he had some kind of that was really interesting, interesting when he talked about recruiting torrence watson yes like some of the players that are playing in this game he recruited himself and had it with you know home in home visits with and torrence watson specifically so that was that was pretty cool
0: he also mentioned uh like how do you defend tillman like when he's on and he was like, uh, we would just send two guys at him, double him every time. We did not have a guy who could compete with him physically. So that's kind of good to hear, I guess. Um, So obviously Missouri lost to Butler, and then they went on to play Oklahoma. And I was kind of excited for this. Um, Oklahoma plays a bit faster pace, and it's an old Big 12 foe and i even said last week on the show that it, no matter what if missouri wins or loses against butler i hope they play oklahoma mm-hmm. in the second round well after a 15 to 3 start again i changed my mind i wish they were playing stanford but
1: i think stanford's probably better than oklahoma
0: i don't know i feel like those that quartet of teams mm-hmm. was really evenly matched yeah. you know mm-hmm. um somehow stanford blew out oklahoma and with missouri's slow starts and back-to-back games they didn't do much for their kind of public opinion of anybody that just happened to be watching that on espn but uh what was the kid's name man okay never mind uh we'll talk about him yeah (laughs) we'll talk about mr reeves uh but it was brady manic who started four for four from three that's so stupid so 12 of those first 15 points were his and then he didn't he didn't make a three-pointer the rest of the game
1: no and I think part of that was Missouri ramped up the pressure uh, on him. You know, when, if, it, after he hit four threes, you know, well, it's like, they, hey, I guess we're going to guard this guy. They
0: were not paying attention to what he was doing. No. He was just uh, setting a ball screen and then popping out to the three point line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, looked like Jonte Porter. Yeah. And I don't know. Missouri just ignored him yeah. until uh, finally they called a timeout and was like, well, okay, well, are we going to guard this guy or what?
1: yeah it's it's disappointing because i i don't want to say that they just didn't scout these teams well enough but there's clearly things that these teams brought to the game did very well right off the bat and then we responded right but it was just like like you've mentioned missouri does not have the firepower to to be in those kind of games especially against good teams where they don't have the firepower really against anybody to cut to make you know 15 20 point deficits back into a game and they somehow did crawl back into the game with oklahoma i don't know how honestly i'm surprised i was surprised they did. yeah exactly
0: uh Tillman came to play after halftime um kyle were you aware that that tournament was brought to you by shot tracker technology oh uh, <laughs>
1: uh I, yeah i guess i i guess i am aware of that
0: um if you didn't know about it They really made sure you were aware that they were using shot tracker technology. Did
1: you know they have on-court analytics on this little tablet they can look at? And coaches can look at it, too, in timeouts.
0: I'm only interested if they can, like, pull graphics onto the court during the game and, like, obscure your ability to see things. I
1: think they can do that. Matter of fact, I think they did do it. (laughs) All right, we're being really sarcastic, but...
0: Obviously, that was a sponsor of the tournament, but it was just really kind of shoehorned in every time they would bring up that they would be videotaping a tablet analytics man showing us the the, the new wave what'd you think about the officiating in the Oklahoma game
1: uh kind of hated it uh and I try to be as reasonable as I can I try to be empathetic with refs because I know nobody wants their job I wouldn't want their job but and they kept making a big deal about it, like at least they're being consistent. Yeah, yeah consistently horrible.
0: I, I and I disagree. I do not think they were consistent.
1: Yeah, well, I no, they they would call the same play on the a, same
0: way twice, but then two other times they would call it uh, yeah. slightly different on a
1: very micro level. I guess they yeah. were calling the like offensive push off play consistently, and they the commentators loved that. Yeah, but I I don't like that call at all. I think it's really tic tacky. It just needs to be a play on, in my yeah. opinion, unless it starts just becoming a huge like really physical play but i
0: don't know how anybody could argue that the offensive foul or the charge call is good for the game of basketball
1: 100 percent was thinking about that during the game
0: something needs to be done with how those rules are interpreted or just the rules themselves regarding offensive fouls yeah because hey. the defenders I, I think at some point Basketball kind of got warped into this semi-contact sport that it was never meant to be. And defenders get away with so much contact. There's no way. I know the rule says you can actually be moving if you're in a legal guarding position, but there's no way you should be able to be running to get in front of a guy and then get a foul called on the offensive player. Like it just makes no sense.
1: I personally think the offensive foul, like the the increase of offensive foul calls, just hurts the fluidity fluidity of the game because yeah. um, you can tell that offensive players are scared to drive, and right. they re- reasonably so, because they get called for charges when they shouldn't be. Right. And when there's any contact at all, it seems like charge calls come up way too often. So now we've seen in the last five years, we've seen more offensive offensive foul called but we've also seen way more three-point shooting because guys are afraid to drive right so over the offseason this year they moved the three-point line back like don't move the three-point line back just stop calling so many offensive fouls and maybe you'll see more two-point shots taken you'll see more drives in the lane and i don't know it just makes the game so choppy yeah and so many just three-point bricks thrown up like i want to see more fluidity i want to see more like you know more diversity of shots
0: Right, and you you see that even, like, the offense will make a great play. A player will drive to the basket and then, like, dump it off to the guy on the low block for a dunk, and they'll call the offensive player that passed the ball. They'll call him for a charge and say he was out of control or something, and, I'm, and just, I don't know. I know Missouri has had plenty of players that were good at um, getting charge calls. Kim English, Jordan Geist, Drew Smith now has a knack for that. I still don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I'll take the call when it happens when it goes our way, but it. I don't know. It just doesn't make for fun basketball playing or watching or coaching. I can't imagine. Um, let's see here. What do we need to talk about with this Oklahoma game?
1: Um, Austin Reeves. I was really impressed by him. Um,
0: I was impressed by him, and I and I absolutely hate him. I hate him,
1: and I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you. I I've watched him play. Uh, throughout his career actually because he used to be at Wichita State and we live here in Springfield so I go to Missouri State games fairly often and so I watched him play against Missouri State a lot and man his game has developed like crazy over his career when he when he was a freshman at Wichita State he was basically just purely only a spot up shooter and he wasn't that great of a shooter and I was blown away by how his game had developed last night I mean he was doing everything
0: yeah I mean he the longer that game went on i just hated seeing him with the ball in his hands cuz i just knew he was going to be able to make something happen and everything about his game it it screamed like that he should be on he should be playing for duke and he should be like the most hated player in the country just he fits that mold yeah and i will be right alongside any big 12 fans who are just going to be fed up watching this guy. They're gonna, I mean, and he's a one year player for Oklahoma. He's just going to walk into these gyms for the first time ever and have put on really annoyingly great performances and the fan bases are just going to hate him. And I sympathize with every single one of them. Yeah. And the only reason they're going to hate him is because he's going to be really good and he's probably going to make their teams lose.
1: Yeah, we kind of had that in Jordan Geist, at least in his senior year, I'd say just like that just kind of scrappy guy who doesn't look like he's going to do anything and then just goes off for 25 points on you. Yeah, and just makes
0: those little plays just, I don't know. Yeah, And, And when this guy, Reeves, is like crossing people over and then pulling up and you're just like,
1: like this what? Is, who is this what are you nerd <laughs> yeah how like, are you able to do that like yeah i, I was like he's I got said, the
0: long hair all sweaty yeah. and everything man he's
1: really progressed over his career it's pretty annoyingly fantastic
0: yeah i was i was definitely impressed yeah but i hated that i was impressed
1: mm-hmm. so i did a little uh little research and i wanted to because i feel like it's so exciting when we have these rematches with these you know, old Big 12 foes and it's it's cool to have the opportunity to play these teams again and uh, then they usually just don't go that well. So I started thinking like, man, we just have not had much success against our former Big 12 opponents after we've left. So I, I looked at every game we've played since joining the SEC in football and basketball. You watched all of them? I watched them all <laughs> at some point in time, but today I, I went and, <laughs> and looked up just the records of those uh, programs against old Big Twelve foes, and so I, I didn't count West Virginia because they're uh, they're newly in the Big Twelve, and we've played them like three or four times yeah. in both sports since we joined the SEC. And then I didn't count uh, TCU, uh, TCU, and I didn't count Texas A and M either because now they're in the sure. SEC. So uh, in football, it's all bowl games, obviously. Yeah. Um, football is one and two. They beat Oklahoma State in 2013 in the Cotton Bowl, and then they lost to Texas, and then again Oklahoma State last week last uh, year. One and two, and the basketball is one and six. They beat Iowa State in 2017. We were at that game. That was a great game. That was very fun. Besides MPJ, and they still fun, but still fun. They have they lost to Kansas State twice, uh, Oklahoma twice, and Oklahoma State once. That was in Kim Anderson's first year, and then Iowa State last year. So that is a combined two and eight versus old Big Twelve opponents since joining, they're they're gonna turn
0: that around next year they're gonna beat Kansas and Nebraska and that'll be the first of five in a row against Kansas I like the sound of that they'll be turning that around really quick
1: yeah I thought about tweeting that today whenever I looked it up but I was like oh man this fan base has just had enough people don't need any other they don't need more bad news and like more bad stats so I was like (laughs) I'll just I'll say it on the podcast I guess but I don't need to tweet it
0: So let's talk about Tillman. Um, he was a lot better in the second half, scored all of his points in the second half. I think he finished with 13 points and five rebounds. Um, and that's what sparked Missouri's offense and got them back in the game. I think they had it down to a one-point game at one point. Yep. And even, I, I don't actually know if it was before or after that, but. Um, there was a sequence of events where Missouri had it down to I think a seven point game, and Mark Smith drove to the basket made the basket should have been an and one but they called an offensive foul and then they immediately gave up a three on the other end so it went from I think an and one if he makes the free throw they would have cut it to like four and instead, it was a t- back to a ten point lead. Mm-hmm. The next possession.
1: Yeah, th- that this might be the exact same thing I'm thinking of, but I I felt like there was a definitive okay that was that was our our shot, yeah. and it's over because uh, yeah. we had made a really awesome comeback. To like I said earlier, I was really surprised that we even got to that point, considering Missouri's offense. But uh, so it was really cool to see him fight back in it. It was awesome. The crowd was into it. Um, Tillman was going off and then yeah there was just a couple of little things or it just like like you could just feel like the exhaustion in there like momentum was just gone
0: yeah Tillman looked so good though for that yeah that first 10 minutes of the second half I mean he was they were finding him and he was converting monster dunks he was getting grabbing rebounds and if we just had that kind of performance for an entire game missouri could beat anybody
1: i really i legitimately think tillman is like an all-american player if he can do that consistently and i mean not everybody can play at the top of their game consistently but his his peaks and and valleys are way more drastic than like any player i've ever seen
0: yeah the difference between him being his best self and when he's just a no-show is so drastic Mm -hmm. i don't I mean, I can't think of another Mizzou player that have had that has the ups and downs that he's had, especially as a junior.
1: No, never.
0: Did you notice how the refs were very concerned about all the players keeping their shirts tucked in?
1: No, I didn't even notice. <laughs> Maybe
0: five or six times the camera caught the refs saying to a guy, hey, tuck your shirt in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought That's that was funny.
1: interesting. Yeah, I didn't see that.
0: Anything else you got on this Oklahoma game? No. No, no Trey Jackson. No... uh Xavier Penson ex Xavier Penson in the second half,
1: yeah, that thought that was bizarre. I
0: don't know he did kind of maybe force up some weird shots that weren't in the flow of the offense, but I don't know maybe maybe it was his defense. I don't know why he didn't play the whole second half. I got nothing well then let's reassess so I don't think we expected Missouri to lose all three of Xavier and then the two games here in this tournament. So now Missouri is 4-3. and They've dropped now to 50th in Ken Palm. Their defensive rating is 22 and offense is 90. So, and all of the um, analytical metrics have really dropped from when they were like 14th in Bart Torvik and, you know, they were up to 30th in Kempom. So I think we need to kind of reassess our expectations maybe a little bit and see a new baseline, new best case scenario. Do you still think that this is a NCAA tournament caliber team?
1: Um, Honestly, I think, the only reason that they could still make the tournament is because I think the SEC is much weaker than it has been in the past couple years. I still think Missouri could finish; it could easily finish middle of the road in the SEC. Um, but with
0: that weak SEC, they're going to need to win at least ten conference games. Yeah. I mean, five hundred in the SEC is not going to get you in the NCAA tournament.
1: True. Yeah, they they're, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to win some games that. They probably shouldn't in the SEC slate. They're they're gonna have to beat Illinois. They're gonna need some kind of. You know. They're gonna need something else outside of conference play. That they, they you know it makes the Illinois game very important and the West Virginia game very important. They're gonna have to win one of those or or potentially both of them. But watching them this weekend, no, I don't think they look like an SEC. They, I don't think they look like a tournament team. Do I think they could be that? Sure, but I, they did not look like that at all um, in Kansas City.
0: I just don't see how they're going to get the big wins necessary. I mean, you're going to have to get some quadrant one wins somewhere. I mean, we got Temple on the road. Seems doable. Yep. Illinois, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to matter like how good the teams actually are, but Illinois actually does seem good this year. And West Virginia, I think, is the least likely of those three.
1: Yeah, and those just are the, only, it's on the road. Yeah,
0: those are the only non-conference quadrant one opportunities left.
1: I agree with you. I think a lot of it just comes down to how good is the team's big man. <laughs> yeah, because if Tillman's playing well, then the whole team plays well. And that if,
0: Illinois game is going to be going to be pretty wild yeah, because it has
1: the potential to get ugly. I think yeah, if they, Illinois they have starts have hitting got shots, got a good
0: offense. Yeah, and then when it comes to the SEC, I mean, like you said, the SEC is not that great, but they have. Like, for example a team like Georgia got Anthony Edwards who can just take over a game all on his own. Obviously you're game planning against that. You're going to try to shut this guy down, make the rest of the team beat you but with with him on that team they can beat anybody any night and it's just those weird games where that's, you know, a home game against Georgia is potentially going to be a quadrant three game when it actually gets here and I don't know. I just don't see... I mean, I mean, at home against Florida, Florida has looked not as great lately. So, if their offense can't do anything, I could see maybe Missouri getting one there, but I don't know. I just don't see the quality wins necessary to get into the NCAA tournament at this point.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you. Um, I think that really... I mean, obviously the, big, the biggest key is Tillman, but I, I think that something that can quickly... maybe not quickly, but something that's very... I don't know, a, a very rational thing is, is just the, the confidence of Pickett and and Torrance Watson. We, they're not doing things that we saw them do last year. There are things that we know they can do that are going to immediately make this team better when they start doing them. Um, I think they're just kind of in a rut right now. And, you know, obviously with Mizzou's football season, we can uh, we've seen that things can change very drastically for the good or for the worse. I think if some of these guys just – I don't know. I it's obviously more complicated than I'm making it sound. But if some of these guys can just start hitting a couple shots and get their confidence back, I think they can. This team can look very different. And we saw that just with Tillman playing better, this te- the team looked like totally two different teams. Yeah. Um. In the, within the same game, so I, I really think that it could be just as simple as some of these guys just need to start making a couple shots. And once they do that, maybe they'll get their confidence back. And I don't know it with their how good their defense is. They can they can be in a lot of games.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and not you're not going to have that many games start out 15 to 3. It's just not going to happen very often. So when they don't have these terrible starts to games, then everything the rest of the way is a lot more manageable. Yeah. And if they can just play the kind of defense they're capable of outside of those meltdowns, mm-hmm. then you know, they'll be right in most games.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like the the Xavier game, where I think Xavier shot a lot worse than they normally would, and um, Butler in Oklahoma shot a lot better than they probably normally would, and so Missouri's got to play the defense to make the teams fall right in line where they, you know, statistically normally would be, and got to, you know, th- they shot amazingly in Kansas City against Missouri, partly because Missouri didn't play as good a defense as they had been, or at least in those first few minutes, but um, like you said, I don't think that's going to continue to hopefully teams won't continue to shoot that well.
0: So there's only going to be one game uh, between now and when we uh, rejoin in this room. And that one is against Charleston Southern next Tuesday. And they are ranked, oh, let's see here, 306th in Ken Palm now. And their offense Two, uh, sorry, 323 defense, 255. So this is a pretty terrible team. They have won two games this year, one against a non-D1 opponent and then one against Delaware State, who is one of the worst teams in the country. And they lost to North Carolina A&T, who is number 322 in Gimpom. So Charleston Southern, not a good team. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about them they their offense has the worst effective field goal percentage in the country and their defense gives up one of the best effective field goal percentages in the country they also give up a ton of offensive rebounds and the teams they play make 60 percent of their two-point attempts
1: wow uh like i said great opportunity for some of those guys to start hitting some shots uh start getting some rebounds, feel what it's like to make a three over somebody again in a game. Like even if it's a terrible team, I, I think that's probably what I'm going to be looking for is more individual performances from Pickett and Watson. I just want to start. I want to see some of those guys just start making a couple threes or whatever it is. Just start seeing the ball go through the hoop.
0: What I'm most looking for, I think is a lineup option that can score without Tillman touching the ball. Now, obviously, if he's in there, you want to try to work the ball through him. But like I said earlier, it's just not realistic to rely on him powering the offense 100% of the time. So we need some kind of combination of five guys that can make a basket when Tillman's not that involved in the offense. And I think Konzo's been doing a good job of kind of experimenting with lineups and stuff. But eventually, we're going to have to settle on something that can manage for at least 15 minutes of a game when Tillman's not out there that being said I think Missouri will not have a problem obviously and I think they should be able to win this by 20 and hold Charleston Southern to like 55 points sounds good to me anything else basketball before we switch sports nope Let's talk about football then. The football team lost to Tennessee 24 to 20. We both predicted that Tennessee would score 24 points. So, and Missouri actually outdid our predictions by scoring 20. So, credit to them for that. Uh, they are now 5 and 6 on the season and 2 and 5 in the SEC with 5 consecutive losses.
1: Uh Yeah, big picture. I mean, the offense looked better than it has. Uh, It's kind of tough to get any worse than they looked against Florida, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Um, I guess if I was – I could be like a little bit encouraged about how the offense looked. Um, What did you think about the offense looking better without uh, Albert O in there?
0: I don't know if that was – coincidental or what but I mean I was impressed right at the beginning of the game Missouri showed some signs of life on offense by getting some guys involved that we haven't seen a whole lot of this year namely uh, Daniel Parker Jr. Barrett Bannister they both caught a couple passes and they were able to move the ball a little bit I don't know I think it doesn't seem like missouri is making a concerted effort to go to alberto unless it's the in the end zone and then they're probably doing it a little too much (laughs) but i just feel like they haven't relied on him enough to for it to make that big of a difference when he's not out there
1: i think one thing alberto has never done well in his career is just catch those tough like third down third and six type catches where he's you know got a guy draped all over him Seems like he has the potential to make like spectacular catches, but only when he's wide open, or you know he's caught a ton of touchdowns. But typically, they're I feel like they're almost designed plays to get him wide open. Yeah, and they do right. Um, wh- right off the bat, uh, true freshman Nico Hey comes in, does exactly that, makes yep. a amazing like contested. Th- I don't know what down it was, but contested. You know, fifteen yard catch. I was like. I don't know if Alberto would have made that catch. Right. Anytime he's contested and has a guy draped on him, he just doesn't catch the ball. Right. And it was a perfect throw from Kelly Bryant. It was a fantastic catch by Nico Hay. I mean, he had just great hands. Um, and that's something
0: we don't see that often from Kelly Bryant either. Is putting that throw right where it needs to be to get the completion. Right. I mean, a lot of times I think you can fault the throw this season with it just being slightly behind a guy or just, and that's what it is most of the time. But just. Just not right where it needs to be when there is a defender right there ready to make the play.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Yeah, Barrett Bannister had a great game. I I really thought he would be a guy who might have a bigger impact this year than he's had. Nobody's really been that big of an impact, if we're being honest. So I think hopefully Barrett Bannister will continue to develop. I think he's a guy that uh, could be relied upon in the future for sure.
0: Missouri actually scored two touchdowns in this game. Um, Tyler Beatty was on the receiving end of two different passes. The first from Kelly Bryant pretty early on. And then the second from Micah Wilson. That was kind of a cool play. Yeah, that was awesome. And the announcers correctly pointed out that they had Wilson in on the play before just to
1: be a decoy.
0: Yeah. Just, just so that the defense didn't know, Oh, this guy's in, they're going to definitely get him a touch here. Yeah. How in some way. So that he was out there, didn't do anything. Then a uh, double pass, basically uh, backwards pass to him and then a little throw into the oh, end zone. a nice to touch on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a really cool play design. I liked that a lot. Um, I guess you mentioned Tyler Beatty. <laughs> Everybody in this podcast knows I love Tyler Beatty. Um, but it, at the end of this game, I started thinking, am I crazy for thinking that I, like I really wanted Tyler Beatty in the game over Roundtree at the end of this game. Whenever we needed to have like a clutch play like I just felt like Tyler Beatty's the guy that's going to go do it and Roundtree has kind of struggled this year I mean man he's he's been such an incredible leader on this team and like I I love Roundtree to death as well but this is truly maybe like the first time I felt this way in like the past two years of these guys playing together where I was like I want Beatty in the game right now because I think he is a better candidate to go make a play right now
0: yeah, and especially when you look at how Missouri has, like we talked about last week, kind of abandoned the running game. I mean, they ran it more in this one. Um, 25 combined carries for Roundtree and Beatty, but still, Roundtree averaging 2.7 yards per carry. I mean, just, just
1: looks like a little slower, a little softer than I feel like I'm used to seeing him. Like, it's just his foot speed. I think his, his like his shiftiness is always something that's just blown me away for his size. He just can navigate in and out of uh, holes like so quickly. And like he just moves laterally like pretty well for his size. But I just feel like I haven't seen that from him the last few weeks.
0: Yeah. And we've talked plenty about the offensive line and their struggles in run blocking, but in Beatty's yards per carry numbers, aren't fantastic. I mean, it was 3.9 in this game. I still go back to the line just not producing like they did last year and not giving the running backs the opportunity to make plays. But it seems like in the past with Roundtree, he was able to make something out of nothing occasionally. And it seems like we haven't seen that at all this year. You know, if he doesn't have a giant hole to run through, nothing's happening. was there anything else that impressed you about the offense
1: not really no that's I mean it still wasn't great but it was definitely a massive upgrade over what they had been the last three weeks or four weeks
0: is there anything in the now that we're almost done with the season is there anything that gives you confidence that a new quarterback next year whether it's Powell or Bazelak or the transfer from TCU whose name is escaping me it is John there Robinson yeah is there anything that you're seeing that you think okay get a new guy in here I mean every, I mean all the main players on this offense are returning like how can we expect much of an improvement next year
1: yeah it's, I mean it's a good question and um I I think yes I think there's things I can see and I, th- I I don't know just because I think this is kind of a statistical anomaly where th- this whole season has just been weird i I really don't think the problem and I might get destroyed for this but I really don't think a lot of the problem is, is is play calling as much as people think I think the play calling's been fine hasn't been amazing uh, there's been some coaching errors sure um but I think there's something deeper going on and we've talked about it something maybe in the locker room I think there's some confidence issues I think Kelly Bryant's got some issues. Um he's played amazing at times, he's played terrible at times. And he's played hurt. He's played hurt. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that might be the case for some of these wide receivers. They just like Jonathan Johnson's been out for a few weeks and I I don't know. I think I saw some encouraging things from the offense this this past game against Tennessee from some of the younger guys. I think you take an off season, you get these guys confidence back up, you get them, you know, going with a new quarterback you have a change of attitude, um, it sounds really, really dumb to say like yeah, change of attitude's gonna make us better, but <laughs> I, I I truly think that's has so much so much of a bigger impact than people realize. It's not just all x and O's. I really truly think especially in college sports, there's so many things that go on in, into players' performances that we don't know or ever think about right And I I, de- I mean, I'm not saying that is going to happen, but I definitely could see. A situation where just kind of a new regime of players, you know, or a new set of attitudes and behaviors come in, and these guys are a lot better. Um, and I still think that a new quarterback next year will still take his lumps and still have bad games. I mean, I don't think Baselak's gonna come in and or Sean Robinson and come in and light up the world, but I think that offense has a chance to be much improved.
0: One thing that I think the offense has to have next year is uh, they have to be a threat to throw the ball deep. 100% and defenses are just able to ignore that part of Missouri's offense yep they just
1: and I think the coaches know that I just yeah. think it's not really what Kelly Bryant wants to do clearly he looks to me like he's very timid he has time to throw a lot of times and just doesn't just right. like he's not going to throw the ball unless the guy's wide open um, so I think it will help to have a, a quarterback that allows his players to go make a play and even if that means that he has a you know a lower completion percentage that's fine just we need to show something different on offense other than what we're currently doing
0: uh defensively though Missouri gave up 24 points to Tennessee um and a lot of that was due to the fact that the secondary had was missing two starters um AC did not play and did we know that going into this game? When did we find out that he was not going to play?
1: I think I found out after the game started.
0: And then where Jarvis Ware got hurt. Like on
1: the first drive or something.
0: Left the game. And then after that, I mean, Missouri's secondary just got torched. Yeah. And Tennessee has really good wide receivers who are going to be playing in the NFL, but it's still, it was bad. And, man, I thought I thought Christian Holmes, I was pretty disappointed in his performance. I thought he was right there with AC and where at the beginning of the season as being like okay we got three awesome guys at corner i thought i don't know i just he yeah. he did not impress me and he committed penalties and even if a couple of them were questionable but and he just gave up a lot of yards gave up a high completion percentage when he was targeted
1: yeah for sure um <clears throat> really tough assignment like you said these Tennessee wide receivers are kind of freakish for sure they were they're crazy athletic they're they're old they've been around for a while like they're experienced um but man yeah christian holmes did not look good and i i sometimes i've always kind of wondered like why the coaches don't play him more um but well it turns out the coaches know what they're doing yeah and there's a reason why he's not playing as much as he is because he probably plays really well in certain packages on defense but when he's kind of an every down player he doesn't cover as well and that showed
0: yeah Tennessee was going after him and it worked and I just man I really would have liked to have seen what AC could have done to change that game if he is out there um
1: and sometimes I get a little annoyed at Jarvis Ware just like constantly like just all his antics yeah (laughs) but I mean he's a great player though it it hurt us really bad to not have him out there
0: so at one point, uh, Missouri had a really good chance to tie the game. They were down uh, 17-24, and there was a. This was in the fourth quarter. There was a big completion to Cam Scott. Welcome back, Cam Scott. And then Tyler Beatty got a first down on I think the very next play. And then they had to settle for a field goal. And I felt like that was, that was it right there. I mean, I. They had another opportunity later, but they actually ended up punting. Um, to get that far in i want to say they got it all the way down to the tennessee 18 yard line and just had to settle for a field goal and i don't know i just they were shooting themselves in the foot a lot you know with the run game just not going anywhere they would run the ball on first down sometimes and then just immediately be in a second and 10 situation or worse Mm -hmm. and then that would They'd get into the red zone and that would derail the, the drive right there just one bad play and i feel like that just shows kind of how bad the offense is when one run for no gain can just completely destroy your offensive momentum in a drive
1: mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned the the punt at the end of the game and i agree it was pretty brutal i'm not I'm just not a fan of punting the ball away whenever we've got four or five minutes left in the game and our defense has shown you nothing all game to to show that they can stop anybody especially against these Tennessee wide receivers who were just doing everything and by the way I felt like JG uh, like whatever his name is the yeah. Tennessee quarterback kind of was amazing in this game like of well course, it was
0: actually it was legitimately a career day for him yeah
1: he he I mean I've watched him play in, in several other games before and he has done nothing and in this game he looked amazing which is an unfortunate trend that we see a lot against Mizzou defense sometimes, but, um, where was I going with this thought? Oh yes. The punt. Yeah.
0: So I looked it up real quick. It was fourth and five at the Missouri 38. They just had it third and three and Kelly Bryant. I'm putting in air quotes ran for a loss of two yards. Yeah. He didn't get sacked. They, they, it was a quarterback draw was the play. Yeah. And, It went nowhere, and they punted on fourth and five.
1: Yeah, with a quarterback who has not shown any confidence running, I I I don't love that play call. I have to think that they were thinking this is probably four down territory unless we lose yards here. And what I want to
0: say I want to say Odom was actually asked after the game, and he said fourth and three or less they go for it. Really? Yeah.
1: Interesting. That seems very robotic yes
0: very specific like yes. oh this is what like it would. fourth and
1: four is no absolutely yeah. not but, yeah. <laughs> um yes anyways yeah so uh, yeah i mean you can complain about barry odom i probably agree with you on a lot of it but i definitely am not a fan of his conservative play calling at the end of games a lot of times because i've seen this happen multiple times where we punt when there's only like a few minutes left in the game and you just like if you're not guaranteed another shot which we definitely weren't like you just have to go I'm sorry like if the if the the you know situation at hand is not ideal because it definitely wasn't but you just have to say this might be our last chance we got to go and this is four down territory like the rest of the game
0: the defense did have two third down opportunities on Tennessee's ensuing drive Mm -hmm. one of them third and nine and that was a trend throughout the whole game of Tennessee converting on long third downs. I mean, it only happened it only needs to happen like three times for it to be something that sticks out in my memory. <laughs> but that's enough to where you're just starting to pull your hair out when the defense is playing so well at times and then gives up a huge third down conversion. And you're just like, Okay, well, I guess you don't wanna get off the field here. <laughs> so I said it before Missouri's now five and six unless you have anything else to say about the tennessee game we'll move into the last regular season game and last game whatsoever no matter what for missouri football this year and that is in arkansas against the razorbacks who are two and nine and a winless zero and seven i believe in the sec they have also lost to san jose state and western kentucky the last one by a score of 45 to 19. And there are two wins on the season against Portland State and Colorado State. And that was at the beginning of the year, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. And the administration had seen enough. A couple of weeks ago, they fired head coach Chad Morris. So we have an interim head coach now. Man. And
1: he had a terrible, absolutely terrible career at Arkansas. Like, yeah. we're wasn't talking very like, long. We're talking like worse than Kim Anderson's tenure at Missouri bad
0: yeah not even two full seasons no and and like
1: how many wins like three or four total in two seasons zero SEC wins yeah that was absolutely horrid
0: and Arkansas was pretty good not too long ago
1: yeah they they really were they scared me when they've had uh what's his face who was the coach before him Bielma yeah like they they had some scary elements to their team for sure and they always it's always a good game against them whenever he was there a little surprising that they fired him, I if think. If
0: only Bobby Petrino hadn't wrecked his motorcycle, <laughs> they might still be good.
1: <laughs> How many Arkansas fans probably think about that yeah. like daily? Like no, yeah, he would have
0: left. He would have left. Don't yeah, even worry about it. He would be right. he'd be coaching at a bigger school. So I don't know what you want to say about Arkansas. They've got, I think, one good player. His name's Rakeem Boyd. He is was famous from the show Last Chance U at uh, Independence Community College in Kansas and he has almost as many rushing yards as their top quarterback has passing yards. (laughs) (laughs) That's something. He has 1,038 yards already on the season, and the top passing quarterback for the Razorbacks has 1,152. And Rakeem Boyd averages 6.4 yards per carry. That's actually
1: fantastic. Yeah.
0: He's having a pretty monster season, and it's a shame that he is stuck on such a terrible team. When it was announced on the, I watched the TV show Last Chance You and when it was announced that he was actually going to transfer to Arkansas, I was like, "Oh wow, he's going to be a problem for SEC defenses." But luckily for everybody that's played Arkansas, you, that's the only thing you got to worry about.
1: Yep, can't be, can't win it by yourself, unless you're playing Portland State.
0: Now, with that being said,
1: and hopefully not Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: my confidence level going into this game is about as low as you. You could possibly imagine, given that this is an Arkansas team that hasn't won an SEC game in the last two years. Kyle, Seems tell like me. Seems like the
1: kind of game we might lose, huh? <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean. not what I was going. That's not what I
0: was going to you for, right then. <laughs> you needed me to pump you up. <laughs> yep. Huh? I was about to tell you. I was about to ask you. Tell me, how does Missouri win this game?
1: Okay, I'll tell you. Arkansas right now is potentially the worst SEC team in the history of college football um they don't do anything well they lost 45 to 19 to western kentucky this is not even a home game for them it's in little rock uh so that's all the things about arkansas (laughs) the good things about missouri is
0: they've already won three more games than arkansas has
1: yeah um i i think man this is really this is really uh
0: going out on a limb going here. on a
1: limb here but I, I really think missouri has showed some improvement against tennessee i think tennessee's really not a bad team they're, right they've showed they're they're pretty good they have team.
0: some bad losses from early in the season but yes. they've improved but at dramatically this point
1: in the season they're 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 pretty good they're pretty solid and missouri hung with them played pretty well on offense at times so uh i, I think missouri will still n- easily dispatch of, of arkansas in this game
0: i you almost made me cry literal tears of sadness when you were like lauding missouri for hanging with tennessee just now you said oh missouri hung with them and i'm like that's something that we have to say right now hey missouri hung with tennessee so they should be able to beat arkansas
1: i'm glad i compelled you to have that kind of emotion oh my goodness uh but you're right this is it's not it's not fun
0: so let me cut to the chase here if Missouri loses to Arkansas, is Barry Odom fired? Yes. And I'm assuming you would agree with that decision. Yes. I think there would be very few people that would not agree with that decision if they did lose to winless Arkansas. But now let me ask you another question. Is there any percentage of you as a Mizzou fan that would actually Maybe be a little bit relieved if they did lose to Arkansas, which caused Barry Odom to be fired.
1: Relieved? I don't know if that's well, the word. I was. But
0: I'm trying. What I'm trying to say is: Is there any part of you that wants Missouri to lose so that they fire Odom? Because I know that that is a sentiment sure. that is out there in the Mizzou fan base. Uh,
1: me personally, no. I I don't. I don't want to lose to Arkansas no matter what the circumstances. <laughs> and maybe that's me just being my brain working on a micro level too much but i don't want to lose to arkansas i don't want to lose to anybody um i still have faith that barry odom can be successful at missouri um i ultimately i think i want to see him return and 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 be successful obviously that's what everybody wants probably but um i don't think that's what everybody wants what's what was your original question again would i be relieved yeah i think what is so enticing about firing barry odom is because it's just the 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 grass is always greener approach. That just as humans, we always think that way. Yeah, so about hard not to about everything. Yeah. Sure, um, and it, let me assure you, the grass is not always greener. Um, and I think that could definitely be the case here. Could I could be totally wrong. We could we could fire Barry Odom. We could bring in somebody else, and we could be we could go win nine games next year. I don't know, uh, or two years from now. I don't know. But I think that people are so drawn to the coaching search. And it can be fun, sure. Yeah. It, it's exciting. It's, get, it's fun. You get to throw some names out there. Right. You know, you're you're always on Twitter trying to, you know, find the next, you know, tidbit of information or whatever yep. it is. But I really think that if I'm being diligent and, and what I, you know, kind of observing the season and doing my best to look at all the things that have happened behind the scenes and if Barry Odom is the right guy for the job, I think... I think if he pulls this game off, I think he's going to be here next year and he probably should be.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, not surprisingly, I'm right there with you on that. And I think that coaching search, like we were just saying, it can be fun, but you do not want your program to be in that situation. I mean, sure. The coaching search after Kim Anderson was fired was fun. You know, once it was over, I mean, once the Kim Anderson tenure was over, Then it was a little bit fun trying to figure out who's going to be the next coach, but think about how the Kim Anderson era has, is still impacting Mizzou basketball in a negative way and a coaching change. And and that was brought about in part because Missouri would not commit to Frank Haith, who people just saw as a mediocre coach now. We could go even further back and talk about his original hire. But the point is if they had just committed to Frank Haith, we would have never experienced the Kim Anderson era. And it always will worry me when you're talking about firing a coach that you could probably not going to experience the Kim Anderson era. Although Arkansas just did that, but any coach can come in and it not be a good fit and you are having these kind of seasons every single year
1: it's a good point i do think i if it does come to that i think i do trust jim Sterk to find a good candidate definitely but i think i would choose not to be in that position if we don't have to be at least not this year i agree give us your hot takes tell us how we're wrong i'm sure there's a lot of people that would staunchly disagree with that and that's fine yeah so i understand Hasn't been a lot to like in the last six weeks. Just try to bring weeks. some
0: reason to your argument. Um, Okay, what's going to happen this Arkansas game?
1: I think Missouri's going to win. I think they're going to win 27-10. to 27 points. Are you predicting
0: a def- defensive or special
1: teams score? <laughs> no, I I really think uh, Arkansas is just that bad, man. I, I think Missouri is going to just find a way to get in the end zone a couple times.
0: Arkansas hung with LSU for about...
1: 2 minutes. That is true. I mean, it's actually like
0: a quarter and a half. <laughs> um, let's see here. La- Arkansas's last 5 games they gave up 51, 48, 54, 45 and 56 points. The worst team in that was either Western Kentucky or Mississippi State because I don't know anything about Western Kentucky. So, Man, I hope you're right, but I'm thinking this is gonna be twenty-one to s- three, Missouri.
1: Look at us, couple of homers. Just kidding. They better win this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. We. I mean, we're looking at the. We're looking darkest at, possible timeline. I was timeline. just about to
1: say we are looking at absolute rock bottom. Yeah. If Missouri loses this game like what else can go wrong at this point well it's a good I thing that's not. Happen. i don't like to say those words because something usually finds a way to happen
0: yeah it'll find a way <laughs> let's talk about the uh, college football playoff real quick um those of you who have been listening already know we each have four teams that we think have a chance of being in the college football playoff mine are lsu clemson minnesota and baylor kyle has georgia alabama utah and oregon Producer Cameron has Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, and Auburn. Kyle, your Oregon Ducks faltered and lost to Arizona State, but that kind of set it up for Utah to maybe get in there. Um, I've still got two teams, LSU and Clemson, who are in the top four, but Producer Cameron's Ohio State Buckeyes took over the number one spot. So I believe I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. I am not switching out either Minnesota or Baylor, just going to hold on to those guys and hope they end up with a decent ranking. Uh, Producer Cameron, I think you have the option to change out a team if you like.
1: Oh, Lordy. Well, I had made up my mind what I was going to do, but now I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to play it safe and swap Auburn for Penn State.
0: Did you actually do that last week, or did we decide there wasn't a reason for you to do it yet?
1: Yeah, I don't think I okay. did it yet.
0: Because it wouldn't—it would not surprise me if I didn't update it <laughs> correctly. Uh, Kyle, you gonna do anything with Oregon there? I'll stamp pat. All right. Then we will move on to SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. Last week, Kyle tried to get those upset points. He picked Maryland to upset Nebraska. That did not work out. Nebraska did not have a problem with Maryland. So the score is Kyle 62, Cameron 69. Nice. And we will start it off this week with we've got some rivalry games. This, I believe, is called the Egg Bowl, and it's Mississippi, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a two and a half point favorite. These are easy upset points right here.
1: Ole Miss is going to beat Mississippi State for show.
0: I'll take Mississippi State.
1: Good. (laughs)
0: Uh, Then we have the producer Cameron. What's the name of the Alabama Auburn?
1: The Iron Ball.
0: I was quizzing him.
1: I knew that anyway. He knew it. Why do you think I don't know that?
0: I don't know. (laughs) Not an SEC fan. So? He knew that. (laughs) Number five, Alabama is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. On the road at number 15, Auburn. Keep in mind now, backup quarterback in play for Alabama.
1: Mm, I think is still going to win this. I think it'll be close, though. I'll pick. take Auburn. Okay. That honestly isn't a terrible pick.
0: Thanks. I'm always seeking your approval. Uh, then we have the rivalry game that Nobody cares about it. I have no idea what it's called. It's Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Tennessee's a 21-point favorite at home. That did not work out well for Missouri. But I'll go ahead and say that I think Tennessee will win this game.
1: Give me the bowls.
0: And then Texas A&M at LSU. LSU is 16.5-point favorite at home. I'll take LSU. I'll do the same. And then... This
1: Is this a mistake? Yes. Okay. Okay. It's the other way around. Okay.
0: I He's asking because I have number 17 Iowa at Nebraska, and I have Nebraska as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite, but that is completely false. Iowa is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Nebraska.
1: I think Iowa's kind of salty. I'll I'll take Iowa.
0: You needed an actual reason to take Iowa over Nebraska? Mm. I mean,
1: yeah, because... Nebraska did destroy Maryland last week. (laughs) They're better than somebody.
0: (laughs) That is true. That's definitely a feather in their cap. Um, I'm taking Iowa as well. However, we need to address the fact that Nebraska and Missouri are both sitting at five wins. And unbelievably, (laughs) that is bringing us back to a bet that we made at the beginning of the season.
1: Which at one point I thought was not even going to, I had gotten over it.
0: Yeah, I had I thought that at all points up until very recently, <laughs> um, but Kyle and I both made a friendly wager with producer Cameron just on the total, the win total for Nebraska versus the win total for Missouri at the end of the regular season, and if it's a tie, everybody just keeps their money. So I think we can count on Iowa to hold up there into the bargain I and knock so. and beat Nebraska so i'm feeling pretty good still about this bet it had to come down to the final week but things are working out if nebraska was playing maryland this week and i already had five wins then i would be pretty nervous but i think worst case scenario the no money is exchanging hands
1: that's what i anticipate (laughs) it is also what i hope no offense
0: well that's worst worst case scenario for me yeah uh Worst case scenario for you is also the most likely scenario in, wherein you Well have that's to what I mean. Give me five dollars.
1: Yes. I thought we had like fifty on the line.
0: Oh did I say five? I meant five hundred. <laughs>
1: wow. JK. Each. LOL. Yeah, I don't
0: think we're gonna have to worry about that. Also, um the other side bet that we have, Cameron, is the Browns win total
1: yeah Cleveland Browns which, uh, of the NFL was kind of over a little bit ago and I think they might like build me up just to let me down
0: how many wins do they have right now do you know
1: five four
0: if they have four they then... can only
1: lose one more game
0: okay and okay well I feel I feel fine about that one then they actually have a really easy schedule the rest of the way but I think it'll be okay
1: You're just making bank off of producer Cameron this football season. Oh, yeah. I thought I. I Wasn't there some other. I can't remember. I thought there was one other thing we also bet on.
0: I don't remember that. It could be. Well. That
1: I think is already over, but.
0: (laughs) I don't know what it was (laughs) then. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be rooting for Mississippi State and Auburn this week.
1: Hmm. Well, you're going to be sad. (laughs) definitely possible (laughs) I've been there (laughs) recently alright you can find this uh, podcast on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcast and Spotify we're on Twitter at Missouri Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com please have a great Thanksgiving, thank you for listening if you're still listening at this point we really appreciate you and we hope you have fun with family and friends
0: and if you're still listening at this point you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08 thank you everyone for listening at this point And we will see you next week. Have a great week. After one.